millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next conversation was with Amr Salema. His new film, Sheik Jackson, is going to be playing at the Toronto International Film Festival. Once again, a world premiere. What a funny, charming, brilliant, beautiful film. You, you absolutely need to see it. I think you're going to hear a lot about this. It's, it's just so much fun. It's entertaining. It's, it's, it's intimate. It's insightful. And yes, you got it. It's, it's about Michael Jackson and his impact in a very conservative Islamic family. And so we, we get into things, uh, we talk about identity and passion and belief and, and, and parenting. We talk about memories and about cinematic language and we talk about fundamentalism, you know, kind of a, a global fundamentalism, I guess you could say. We get into conversation about shame and guilt and about outsiders and how we can include others, imagination. We talk about TED Talks and Ken Robinson. We talk about, um, you know, how we seem to be always, you know, how how... how how we're always coming to to be, you know, this idea that our identity is is always in flux. I think you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna fall in love with this film. You need to, you need to get out and see it. And again, world premiere at the Toronto International Film F- Festival. Uh, Amr Salama coming right up. Sheik Jackson. Don't forget DavidPeckLive.com for more information about my speaking and writing, etc. And also uh, face-to-facelive.ca for more, uh, all of my interviews, and of course rabble.ca as well for a whole lot more uh, political and social insight there. So coming right up, Emer Salama and Sheik Jackson. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by another very special guest here today. We have another uh, filmmaker with us here today to talk about his new film, Sheik Jackson. It's premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival, and we have Am Salama here with us today to have a conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and thank you for pronouncing my uh, my name just right for a foreigner. <laughs> so I actually <laughs> I actually got it right today. Yeah, yeah, you did. Excellent. So, so where where are you uh, sitting today as we have this conversation? Huh? I'm actually uh, sitting on my living room in Cairo watching uh, MTV. 
watching MTV in Cairo. How appropriate with respect to the, the, the film and, and, and the story. And we're going we're gonna to do our best not to talk too much about the story, I think, today in our conversation. But can you tell us a little bit more about Sheik Jackson? And I think if you're okay with it, I'm just going to read a little bit of the synopsis. that, that, that the, the sudden death of Michael Jackson sends a former king of pop devotee, now a young imam, into a tailspin. Um, and, and before we even get into anything, I just want to say congratulations. And what a, what a remarkable, beautiful, uh, insightful film. Thank you so much. I think this is the biggest uh, step in my career so far, being in Toronto and special presentation, uh, having all this uh, attention for my film. So uh, I'm really uh, uh, glad. And on the other hand, I'm really anxious and I'm really expecting uh, too much. So I hope my expectations will not be uh, uh, devastated after after the festival. Right, right. No, I listen. I, uh, I I'm no prophet, uh, but I, I have to say I think uh, Toronto audiences are going to absolutely love your film. Uh, it, it's as I said, it's it's beautiful and it's intimate and it's just it's so deeply relational and 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 just and and just so really funny. Uh, it's got some wonderful, charming, comedic moments. Where where does a movie like this start? Is are you are you an MTV nut? Is that where it comes from? Are you just somebody who has been immersed in pop culture all? your life i think yeah i think one of uh, uh the best thing and the worst things that happened to me in my life is being uh, a fan of pop music uh and uh, uh i believe uh, since i was i don't know since i was 16 uh i was like uh, always uh, waiting for my parents to sleep so i can open mtv and like watch all the music videos and and especially michael jackson songs back then i remember that was uh, 1995 or something and uh, yeah, I was I was I was so in love with with pop music and rock music, uh, especially in, in the nineties and uh, uh, all this wave of uh, the new boy bands back then and everything. Uh, but the film, um, the story with the film, uh, like uh, to be uh, to tell it like I should, it, it started with uh, somebody calling me, someone I know calling me and telling me there's this new writer. You have to speak to him. He has a couple of ideas. So we had a short phone call, and he told me, like, at the beginning of the phone call, my name is Omar Khalid, and I have this idea for a script. It's about a, a guy who's a Salafist. Salafist is like an, uh, a very religious, strict Muslim uh, who's in love with Michael Jackson. And, like, I remember I said, like, I'm doing this film like, right away. <laughs> I, please, please, I'm doing this film. Uh, did you write the script? And he told me, no, I just wrote the treatment. So I read the treatment, so I called him back again, like, after three minutes and told him like, uh, man, this is almost my memoir. Uh, at one point in my life, I was a Michael Jackson fanatic. At one point in my life, I was religious uh, when I was young. And uh, I really want to write the script. It will all, almost be like writing a memoir. So uh, I thought that's the easiest part uh, to write a script that's uh, based on my personal experience. And I then discovered in this three years journey of writing the script that it was the hardest thing to turn your memoir into a film, uh, a drama, a script, uh, something that's not too self-indulgent and people can connect with. And do, so you, think, and, and do you think that what made it so hard is that, that you were so connected to the story? Or did that actually make it a bit easier because it was part autobiography? No, it made it very hard because I was so self-indulgent. Uh, I remember, like, I always write my scripts, like, 100 pages. 
I always do it like I finish, I put the word, the end on the page 100. This time, I, was, I remember the first draft was like 350 pages. And it was like, uh, like wow, this is a book, this is not a film. And uh, it took me 11 drafts. Wow. Completely drafts to find a cinematic language, uh, to find uh, an interesting plot to make this film uh, a film. Well, I, uh, you know, for, for what it's worth, uh, Maram, I, uh, I think you nailed it on the 11th script. I hope so. <laughs> so, so you say that uh, you're, you, I mean, any great film for me, any great story, you know, any great book that you read or, or uh, a poem that you read has, has, has a variety of layers and, and meets us on different levels. This is a film for me that made me laugh out loud, uh, made me glad to be human, uh, uh, made me want to look into Michael Jackson more. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge Michael Jackson fan, and I know there's probably millions around the world that would be pretty concerned about that. But, yeah. but, but there's a, there, there's a, there's a thread. There's this beautiful thread, uh, relational thread that runs uh, throughout your piece, and it's anything but self-indulgent. So I hope, I hope in whatever way that that uh, that helps alleviate maybe some of your fears. But. This is a film about identity. It's a film about religion and moralism, and 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 there has there's a tiny political edge to the film. There's a there's a global perspective here. This is about loving others. This is about reaching out. This is about you know leveling the playing field. Can you can you talk to me a little bit about that? that was that a desire for you to to try to have so many uh, touch points for for people to, to 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 dive into, or did that just kind of flow out of the writing? Actually, uh, when I was writing, I always I'm, I'm very systematic when I write. So the first thing I do is have this paper where I put them like in the middle of the paper inside a big circle. What's the main theme of the film? Mm. And I remember when I when I when I started doing that, I wrote identity. That was the first uh, right. And uh, and that was helping me actually to to make the film shorter and more uh, focused and everything. But. Uh, I found out that the, the identity is, is just a big umbrella. Under, under this umbrella, you have a lot of other themes. Because what is an identity? It's your beliefs, it's your passions, it's your uh, loved ones, it's your uh, memories, it's your uh, relationship with your parents. It's it's a lot of things. Yeah. So it was another challenge to make this film focused and not be talking about too many themes. So the hardest part was like to make sure that the film is about identity first and last, and then couple of other stuff that related to identity uh, so that's why I wrote the script and to be completely honest before that film I was a bit in like a, a limbo where I thought like where I'm going with my career I had a couple of existential crises and and like uh, I thought like I should write something that really touched me and like something that I'm really passionate about and when this idea came to me from Omar uh, my uh, my co-writer, uh, I thought like, wow, this is exactly what I want to write it now because it's it's almost therapeutic writing this film and making this film. So, so is this your reaction to your uh, religious upbringing? And I too share that. Uh, clearly, I uh, would imagine different religions, but but similar similar approaches in a sense. This this idea of black and white, this idea of right and wrong. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the watch that that he wears. You know, the good deeds versus the bad deeds. There was there was a lot of that in my upbringing, and I think a lot of us are 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 working through some of those you know some of those implications. Does that make sense? Of course, of course. Uh, I was raised in uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Saudi Arabia, 
I was brought up on a very like strict Islamic interpretation. Uh, I remember like uh, my, the image of God I had when I was young is, is, is the image of a God who's vindictive, who's uh, uh, who's uh, like a father figure, a patriarchal figure. So uh, it, it took me a long time just to get out of that, and like uh, it took me a long time just to uh, see how bad it is hmm. to look at that in that way because it always makes you feel shameful and guilty, and, uh, uh, and you always have remorse. You always have a bad self-image of yourself that you're not good enough. Right. So yeah, that was a part in my life when I was young. I remember I was like that in like when I was in my first years of college. Uh, so yeah, this film was actually uh, like making peace with all my past selves. So uh, all all of those guys in the film in the, uh, are, are my past uh, selves in a way. So I was making peace with them, like exactly like the therapist talked to him in the film. Right. Uh, that was the same conversation I had with my own therapist a while ago, like uh, like a couple of years ago, when she said like you really have to make peace with your past selves. So. This film was about that. I wonder, you know, it's really insightful to me from a from a religious or a theological perspective in the sense that I wonder to what degree so many of us have, whether you believe in a God or not, but if you were raised in, in that kind of a family, how many of us actually can't seem to get a, a, a more loving or a more relational or a more inclusive understanding of God because we are raised in a family or with a father who's you know, emotionally detached or abusive or uh, just just not really a, that good of a guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I, I totally understand that. Actually, my own father was like the kindest person on the planet. Uh, he's nothing like the father in the film. The father in the film is inspired by a father of a friend who actually mm. the first friend who taught me about Michael Jackson. Uh, so, uh, my, my own father was like really, really moderate and he was the kindest person on earth. He just passed away like two months ago and, uh, my mother was almost the same. So, uh, actually my religion, uh, my, my relationship with religion was never based on, on what my parents told me. It was more, more based on what society tells me. Mm. Uh, I was raised in school in Saudi Arabia. I was, I was. Uh, I was taught about religion here in Cairo when I came back from France, from sheikhs and imams and, and how this interpretation was so sexy. When you want to be a rebel, you want to be like, uh, you want to find an, a new identity, you want to like be, belong to an uh, ideology. Sure. So I remember in the first years of college, I, I, I got introduced to the scene of Salafism, which is like the, so if, if I, if I want to translate Salafi or Salafism, it's like orthodox. It's like, okay. Uh, yeah. Fundamentalist uh, version Funda of it. yeah fundamentalism. It's all it's all condition. It's all based on rules. Yes, exactly. I mean, and, and it's about the points. It's always about the points. Always so. about the points. Yeah, I love I love the tension. I love the dialogue throughout the whole film about living life versus you know the afterlife, the infinity. You know, divided yes. by zero. There's just so many yes. beautiful ways of of uh, ways that, that you express that that there's a there's a joy to to living life here and now. Yes, yes, exactly. I remember that phrase, uh, what if you divide any number by, by infinity? That was actually the, the same phrase that got me into this uh, uh, like uh, trend uh, and uh, got me uh, super religious at one time. I was, I was like 19 years old, but I got really indulged in that scene for like one year or two until I pulled myself out and like uh, started like studying everything, like being more analytical about everything that I want to believe in. 
You know, you, the the perform the performances in the film are astounding. They really are. I mean, it it uh, clearly speaks to your 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 the what you create on the set and the intimacy you have with your your writer and your actors and the relationships and so on. Um, it's it's really quite marvelous. But there's there's many particular there's many scenes that really drew me in. But there's one really beautiful scene where where the young, uh, you know, Michael uh, Jackson fan, the devotee, uh, as you call him says the reason he loves this young woman is because of her facial expressions. And there's this, just this beautiful sort of unpacking of him while he's watching her, I think, play the piano. I think play the piano. I don't know if you can get much more human than that, Amara. I don't know if you can... And, and, and yet that's what, that's what the world around him, that's what the culture around him, his family and his religion was telling him to, to basically deny, to walk away from. Yes. I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, yeah, that was one of the scenes I love. I remember uh, that's because, again, this is all based on, on a personal experience. I remember this girl in, in my uh, high school days where like, I, lo- I loved her so much. Like For three years, she, we never actually talked more than two words. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, this, this is like, uh, like I, I have like the statement in the beginning of the film where it says uh, to the people I created with, memories with, and you know who, who you are because literally every character in the film is based on somebody that I knew uh, or a friend or an acquaintance that I knew of before. It's, yeah, it's really quite remarkable. To what degree, how much is this film uh, about about including others, about accepting others, about prejudice and, and, and being able to empathize? Uh, you know, uh, the funny thing is, I remember I was when I was... Uh, like discussing the like maybe the ninth draft with my producer and my mentor Muhammad Hafzi. Uh, I was like discussing with him a new draft, and he was like, "I mean, you know what? You know that three of your last films were about including others. It's about the other. It's about understanding the other." And I was like, "Wow, that's the common theme I was searching for." And uh, I, I never knew what what is the common theme in my films mm. generally. So I understood that this is it because maybe when I try to like analyze it and like go back to my uh, to my uh, memories and my history and why am I concerned with this topic of uh, including the other? I remember I was always the outsider in my life. I was in Saudi Arabia. I was the Egyptian kid in the class. I remember when I came back, I went to a public school, so I became the guy like who's uh, uh, who's a filthy rich who came from Saudi Arabia mm. and. Then I went to a private school, so I was this poor kid who came from a public school. And then I went to study accounting, so I was the artist guy in accounting. And then I went to be a filmmaker, so I became the accountant who wants to be a filmmaker. Uh, and, I, and even my political and religious views, everything makes me feel always like an outsider, like uh, like I really don't belong to a gang or like a cult or something. I, I'm always like special. That's a nice word for it, but uh, the other word for it is an outsider. So I always felt like an outsider on the other. So maybe that's why I'm always making films about the other. Well, you 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 do it so beautifully, and it's so understated. It's the I mean, honestly, this is the kind of what what I love about your film is this is the kind of film that you can just walk out of a theater and go, wow, that was great. I feel like I'm I'm a better human being because I saw that film. But you, you as a film student, you could unpack this film and 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 write and write pages about the implications and about the 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 issues that you're raising in such a such a uh, you know subtle uh, a way i love the fact that you use one of michael jackson's songs to kind of communicate that too uh in a, in a really wonderful scene that includes 
a Sony Walkman. And I have to say, Amir, I had a Sony Walkman, so you pulled me in in that scene as well. <laughs> I remember to get that exact Sony Walkman I had when I was a kid. Yeah. I made a call online on Twitter. I have like uh, two million and a half uh, uh, followers on Twitter. So I like I made a call like, I really want this exact Walkman when it was like yellow and this and that. Mine was and, mine was yellow too, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I got actually three from my uh, followers. They sent me three of those, and uh, I was I was so touched when I especially that scene. I was so touched, and I never uh, act the scene to my actors before before I start shooting it. But this was the only time I did that. I showed the actor exactly how I felt when I got the first tape from Michael Jackson. Exactly how I how I put it in the Walkman. Exactly how I played with it. Exactly how I was not able my English was so bad so I was not able to sing with Michael Jackson because he's singing so fast so it was like all I want to say that they don't really care about us I couldn't say that so it's like all I want to say is that they don't really so he always like I never catch him so it was very fun it was super funny shooting that scene with with the actor Ahmed Malik and he did it beautifully and whenever I see that scene it's like this is exactly a memory that I have um is is this um are you would you say you're you're still uh working through some of those cultural and societal issues that you were raised with is this still a part of of who you are i mean so many different um there's i mean this film is about a, a, an identity crisis and i i i mean that that's something we all face Every one of us, it seems, at some point in our life, has to say, "Who am I? Where am I heading? Am I gonna? Am I gonna walk into my freedom? Am I gonna avoid it? Am I gonna, you know?" And we we, we make these choices: freedom, choice, and responsibility, and so on. To to what degree would you say, or that, or, or that you might be willing to say, that you're still working through some of this stuff? Uh, on a personal level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. clearly, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised, Amara, that you say that you know that this film is a memoir. That you're willing to admit that right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I'm. I made peace with the fact that uh, that uh, I I think I made peace with with being in crisis. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, like, uh, what really made me calm myself down about having any identity crisis is that identity is a flux. It's never written in stone. It's something mm. that changes time. So. Nice. It's okay to be changing. It's okay to be always discovering yourself. Because actually it's boring if you know who you are exactly and you can write it on paper because that means you're dead. That's the end of the story. So I'm really in peace with the, with the, with the fact that I'm always changing. Uh, identity is a flux thing. It's always uh, molding into other shapes. So uh, I'm okay with that now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm less tense. I'm less angry about the fact that I can't label myself. I'm actually more proud of myself that I can't label myself, and uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not worried that I don't know who am I exactly because actually nobody does. And this is a <laughs> big illusion. If you think who you are, that's a big illusion. You really don't know who you are, and it's a journey of self-discovery until the the the, the, the moment you cease to exist. You're always discovering who you are. And isn't you know it's it's wonderful how you how you uh, you tease that out because I think it, it really is a discovery. We're never quite there. We're always moving forward. We're always taking steps into the future. But don't we actually realize that ultimately in a community with others, with our partners, our husbands, our wives, our families, our children, and, and so on? Yes, uh, it was it was a bit of a pressure to me that I want to like tell people who I am and I want to like 
uh, expose a certain self-image to people who know that I am this or that. But now I less care. I, I care less about this. I, I I I really don't care right now what people, how people perceive me, which version of me they perceive me. Because usually people like judge you on their experience with you, not on exactly who you are. So no matter who you are, they always judge you based on their own experience, how they felt about you, what happened with them from you. So I. I, I I'm, I'm less tense now, I can say. Uh, I'm not a Buddhist monk, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm more in peace with the fact that I cannot control how people see me. Yeah, you're, you're, you're okay with uncertainty, and, I, and I, it, sounds, it sounds like to me. And I think that's part, part of the problem. It's so interesting that there's that subtext of, of sort of that mental health almost subtext, and, which is deeply connected to identity crisis for sure. And, and I wonder to what degree we can kind of not blame religion for that, but this, the way that society, religion, uh, you know, school, you know, even the learning of something as, as important as mathematics can set us up for uh, good and bad, you know, that, that, the, the polarization of good and evil and, and right and up and down and, and here and there. Does, does that make sense? Of course, of course. And, and what I can say is, is that if you ask, like, we have around like one billion and a quarter of a billion Muslims in the world. If you ask each of them what is Islam, you will have uh, one billion answers. I mean, if you... <laughs> same, same with any other religion, it seems to me. Same with any other religion. And every person in the world has a different image of God. Some, some of them look at, them, uh, look at God as, as a provider. Some look at uh, God as a, uh, as a bodyguard. Some look at God uh, like as, as a punisher. So it all depends on, 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 on your psyche, on your interpretation, on how you perceive uh, your religion, how you were taught religion. So uh, actually I think that uh, it's, it's like a fingerprint, mm. how you look at that. Uh, and, and I believe uh, you have to make peace with that. You have to, uh, to look at God as how you, you under to understand that you're looking at God as how you feel, not as who God is. And I don't blame religion. I, I blame more uh, society that wants to give you one simple answer to everything, a black and white answer to everything. And uh, what I actually really blame is not having this analytical thinking uh, method uh, throughout our lives. On the contrary, we, when we're kids, we, they kill our creative uh, minds, they kill our imaginative, imaginative mind, they try to teach us right from wrong in a very like uh, uh, polarized way. Uh, so that's what I blame, actually. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. As soon as you were talking about that, I went to my, my daughter, who's uh, nine years old, she'll be 10 in, in a couple of months, when she was in kindergarten, in uh, pre, I guess they call it pre-kindergarten, I remember her coming home and, and, and ha having learned some mathematics. And I remember being, you know, my wife's a teacher, and I was, I was actually kind of angry. And, and, and I'm, my, 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 my comment was, what are they doing teaching you math at such a young age? You should be drawing pictures and playing with blocks and, and playing with your friends in the playground. There's, there, there, like, there, there's this mystery and wonder to play. And that, that, that is such a, another beautiful theme in your film. Yes, exactly. I remember, I don't want to divert from, uh, from, from our discussion, but uh, there's this... Uh, one of the best amazing TED Talks out there on the internet is it's one for, for Sir Ken Robinson. Uh, oh, yes, uh, yeah, I know the one you're talking about, I think. Uh, the opening of that speech is a joke when he says, like, uh, there was a school kid who was, like, asked to grow something, and, 
And the teacher went to that school kid and told her, like, why are you drawing? She said, I'm drawing God. He said, but nobody ever seen God. So she replied, they will in a minute. So that's exactly uh, the thing. School, uh, like, doesn't want you to, to think outside the box they want to put you in because schools are more like factories. They are not, mm. like, like yeah, they want to, like, uh, like, uh, produce the same products. Like, you want right. to, like, you know what I mean? I do. So, yeah, so he's, he's suggesting a different method to education where it's more, not more like a, like, like, like a, like a factory, but more of like a, uh, agriculture field. Like, every plant is different. Even if you're putting the same seeds, every seed is just different and it generates something different. There are no two, pla- two mangoes are exactly the same. Yeah. So. Nice. Um, um, education is one of the worst things that can happen to us and I remember this quote I think it was from Mark Twain when he said the best thing you can do after you finish education is de-educate yourself from everything that you've learned in school right right yes you just you just made me th- think of Yoda from Star uh, from uh, The Empire Strikes Back we have to unlearn what we have learned exactly. sorry I, I'm a bit of a Star Wars uh, fan not a, not a Michael not a huge Michael Jackson fan but a huge Star Wars fan <clears throat> I tried but I couldn't just get it there's some, 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 some barrier between me and fantasy films because in Egypt we have a very like uh, rich uh, right. uh, uh, life here. So uh, fantasy is not a thing for Egyptians, I guess. <laughs> That's an interesting comment. Um, did you always want to make a comedy? Was this meant to be, or was it? Did you go in not really sure where you were going to land? Eleven, eleven drafts. It must have changed quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember the first draft was a lot about this fang, uh, fat, very fat guy who wants to dance Michael Jackson. So I no, uh, actually, this film I tried to write this film without thinking of genre, without thinking of tone, without thinking of anything. Hmm. I exactly opposite of everything I do. Like all my past films are like a genre films. Like every right, film, right. I tell you this is a thriller, this is a comedy, this is a melodrama. This is a family uh, film, but this film, I, I, I really wanted to liberate myself from thinking that systematically and from forgetting everything I learned from Robert McKee and Sid Field about script writing. And I wanted to really write this film with my heart, not with my mechanic brain, right. with exactly what I'm going well, I, I, uh, you hit it out of the park as far as I'm concerned, Hamara. It's, uh, it's a, 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 as I said earlier, I, just such a delightful film and a wonder, a beautiful story, uh, but with profound, profound and deep philosophical implications, uh, theological implications. There's implications here for, 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 for development, for, uh, you know, the, the way forward for politics. It's just, it's truly remarkable. Hey, are you worried at all about any kind of pushback? What do you mean by pushback? Um, will there be? Will people? Will some people look at this and see this as I don't know, uh, not selling out, but um, I- I- irreverent? Uh, uh, to be honest, I made peace with the fact that I don't know where the film will go, what will it do, how people will perceive it. I have no idea, and I'm trying to tell that to myself every day and night because I can't sleep for a month now. I'm, I I I barely eat. Because I'm so tense about the film, but uh, wow. I was about doing it right more than yeah. how to receive it. Because I have no idea how people will perceive it because it doesn't have any reference to it. Like it's not like any other film I've ever seen, and that was the hardest part when I was writing. It's it's not it's it's, it's not similar to anything. So I, I literally have zero 
uh, idea of how it will be perceived? Will it be provocative? I don't know. Will it be uh, uh, controversial? I don't know. Will it be touching? Will it be funny? Will it be doing this or that? And and I think that's the bravest thing I've made in my career is, is to write a poem without knowing uh, or expecting how, how, how it will land. Well, I think for what it's worth, I think it's all of those things that you just said, and I hope that you're going to be able to get some sleep. And I mean, I mean that sincerely. You're going to need a little bit of sleep coming to the the film festival. It's uh, it's a, it's a pretty crazy experience. It's uh, it's uh, it's so much fun. It's just it's it's all consuming, and it's I'm sure it's going to be nerve wracking. But I do hope you're going to be able to uh, to settle in a little bit and 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 really enjoy it. Um, is it uh, it is the world premiere? Is it not? It is the world premiere. Uh, it will be the first time to show the film to a big audience. And uh, I've been to Toronto before with one of my films. It was Wonderful. Image. And uh, Toronto audiences are the best audience in the world. Nice. Obviously, them. And I really hope uh, people will perceive the film the way you perceived it. And I really hope uh, all the audience will be like you and will, will read the film like you did. Well, I hope so too. And and if they don't, we'll just have to make sure they listen to our interview, and we'll we'll have we'll have convinced them otherwise, and they'll go back for a second viewing. Amara, I, I am I am so delighted that we were able to chat uh, at at great length about your film. I hope we can do a part two. I, I wish you all the success in the world with this, and 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 what you're moving on to in your next projects. Thanks thanks for your time today. We've been talking with Amara Salama about his uh, new film, brilliant and beautiful and intimate and delightful. New film chic jackson thanks thanks for your time today really appreciate it thank you david even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.